You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Well, thank you for being here. It's exciting. A man walked by the department store, uh, kind of a, a picture window where they were displaying some gifts and things for Christmas, and he saw a nativity scene sitting there in the department store display window. And he said, look at there. People trying to, this department store trying to make Christmas something spiritual. And sadly, that is the way that most people in our world today view Christmas. It's not about the manger scene. It's not about the Christ of Christmas. It's about gifts and trees and lights and parties. But you and I have a different opportunity. You and I, as believers, have an opportunity during this time of the year to truly understand and appreciate and value Jesus in a way that is uniquely special to all of us who are followers of Jesus Christ and understand that Christmas is all about Christ. And as we look to this incredible text in our series on the wonder of Christmas, and I'm not so sure this is not, well, I do believe that this is my favorite verse in the Christmas story. And I know you've heard the Christmas story. You're familiar with the Christmas story. But I wonder this morning if I could draw your attention to it in a unique way by reading Luke chapter 2 in verse 11. The angels said to the shepherd, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior... It's an announcement, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And our message today is going to be focused on those three last words in that verse, Christ the Lord, Christ the Lord. And I want you to consider something this morning, and I want to begin with this and build on this for the next few moments, and and that is this, could it be that the great Christmas confession is that? Is that really what we should maybe be saying? And I say that not to say there's anything wrong with saying Merry Christmas or God bless you. I like all that. I do it. And I do it sometimes just as a habit almost. Just, you know, it's this time of year. You greet somebody, Merry Christmas. God bless you. But I got to thinking, would it be more appropriate to say to someone during this time of the year, Christ is Lord. Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord, the great Christmas confession this morning. So I want to ask you some questions as you consider that. Jesus Christ is Lord. First of all, do you believe in the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Now, without answering that question completely, I want to follow it up with another question that kind of helps us understand what his Lordship is. So the question then would be, is Jesus Christ Lord in your life? Is he Lord? Is he Lord of all that you are? Is he Lord of all that you do? Is he Lord of all that you have? Now think about that. If I stopped right there, you may could get away with just that as a cute little statement in the message. But let's back up for a moment and think about what it means to, to make Jesus Christ Lord of all that I have. Money. 
Is he Lord over my money? Is he Lord of all of my possessions? Is he Lord of of everything that I have? Does he have a say? Does he control how, how that looks in my life? Is he Lord of all that I do? Every deed that I do, decisions that I make, In my day-to-day living, is he Lord of all that I do? Is he Lord of all that I am, my life? Does he control my life? Is he he guide me? Am I allowing him to to, to tell me where to go and what to do? And Can people look at me and see Jesus? Because God has no hands but our hands to do his work today. He has no feet but our feet to lead men to his way. He has no hands but our hands to, or, or he has no help but our help to, to lead men to his side. And he has no tongue but our tongue to tell men that Christ died. Because we are the only gospel this careless world will read. We are the sinner's gospel. We are the sinner's creed. We are the Lord's last message written in deed and in word. And what if the line be crooked? What if the print be blurred? What if my hands are busy with other works than his? What if my feet are leading where sin's allurement is? What if my tongue is speaking of things that Christ would spurn? How can I hope to aid him and and hasten his return? When I was younger, I I had a song that I loved, and I I actually, I, I didn't get to sing much when we made those church CDs years ago, but they let me sing one song, and the chorus of the song was, When the world looks at me, do they see Jesus? When the world looks at you, what do they see? Do they see hope? Do they see love? Do they see charity? When the world looks at me, what do they see? I think I can remember the first verse. I want my life to be a light to those around me. I want my life to be that roadmap that says home. I want my life to be a beacon on life's raging sea. I want the world to see Jesus when they look at me. Is Jesus Christ Lord? Is he Lord of your talents? Is he Lord of your tongue? Is he Lord of your time? Is Jesus Christ Lord over your temper? Is he Lord over your treasure? Is he Lord of all? We sing the song, I'll hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth a royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. And just like this morning as I was singing, I had to ask myself the question, is Jesus Christ really, do I really believe what I'm singing about Jesus? Do I really believe it's only Jesus? Am I willing to to say that, to stand for that, to believe that, to preach and teach that? And And as I sing that great hymn of the faith, is he really Lord of all? I don't believe this is an incidental message in Luke chapter 2 verse 11, like some random statement that the angels came and told the shepherds that unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I don't believe that's some random incidental thing in in Scripture. In fact, over 700 times in the New Testament alone, Jesus is referred to as Lord. Christ is Lord. Far more than he's called Savior, he is called Lord. And sometimes I think we we fall into this trap of thinking that we we have some sort of a, a way to make him Lord. 
That's already been decided. It's not a matter of you making him Lord. He is already Lord. And every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. In fact, in Acts chapter number 2 and verse 36, it says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for a certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. Jesus, whom you've crucified. See, it's not up to you and I to make him Lord. But we do need to recognize him as Lord. Recognize him. And that's the question. That's the challenge. That's the Christmas confession. Is Jesus Lord over your life? Luke 2.11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. I propose to you three characteristics of this wonderful Christmas confession. Christ is Lord. And if we can make these confessions and we can mean them, and I think it's important to add that sometimes to what we say. You know, do, do, we, do we really mean that? Then I think it'll produce these three things. Number one, first of all, the Christmas confession is a courageous confession. Oh, it's courageous. These shepherds came not only to see the baby Jesus, but after they saw the baby Jesus, and they did see him, they saw him, and then they went abroad. They went everywhere, Scripture says, after what they saw, and they believed it, and they understood it, and they received it, they went and told everybody that Jesus Christ is Lord. What did that mean to them? Well, these were Jewish shepherds most jews especially pious jews would not even say the name yahweh but to them to say jesus christ is lord what did that mean well the lord meant to them yahweh the eternal god of heaven and to recognize god as yahweh The eternal God is heaven is not just the Messiah, but as Jesus Christ, the Lord, would have been courageous for them to do that. In fact, for a Gentile to say that Jesus Christ is Lord, it would have been also very courageous. It would have taken an incredible amount of courage because in the Roman Empire, they would have looked at Caesar as being Lord. Caesar would have been God, and and not just the emperor, but God. But here, these, these Gentiles were saying, no, Christ is Lord. Not, not, not Caesar, Christ, Jesus, he may be the emperor, but he's not my Lord. Christ is Lord. And that's why they had the Roman Colosseum, and, and you've read stories, and I've actually been to that actual place and walked the sands of the Colosseum where Christians who proclaimed Christ as Lord were brought uh, in front of hungry lions to fight those lions and their lives were given up as martyrs because they would not back down that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's very courageous. It was a courageous confession, confession for those shepherds to say it and I believe today it is just as courageous and it is becoming Necessary for us to understand that there is going to be, and in some parts of the world already is, a price to pay to say Jesus Christ is Lord. When I was a young preacher, very young, 30 years ago, I came across an, a, a, a magazine 
article that had a picture, and I want to put that picture on the screen for you to see, of a little girl by the name of Asatu. I've used this in my life now as a motivation to, to, to understand the courage it takes to say that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I want to help you understand it by, once again, sharing her testimony. Her name is Asatu. And you may not can see her name on the screen, but her age is next to her name, and it's, she's 13 years old. Underneath, there's a, a little statement that says, they put my hands on the ground and cut them off quickly, the left first. And I fell to the ground. I read the article as a young preacher boy, uh, and the article talked about a Christian missionary. You know, I got to thinking this morning, Scott, I wonder if it was an international mission board, Southern Baptist missionary. It could have been. It could have been. A missionary came to her little Somalian village, which was all Muslim, worshipped Islam, worshipped the God of uh, Allah. And she heard the gospel preached after he learned the language. In two months, he began to share the gospel uh, through an interpreter and learning some of the language. It was a powerful testimony of this missionary who gave himself to that. It was a small village, mainly Asatu's family, maybe 30, 40 people in that particular people group, in that village. And this missionary gave the gospel, and he led many of them to Christ. I remember specifically in the article, it did not say that all of them said that Jesus Christ is Lord, but Asatu did. She became a follower of Jesus Christ. And then it said that after the missionary left to go on to the next little Somalian village to lead them to Christ or introduce the gospel to them, it mentioned that there was an Islamic terrorist group that came into that same village and raided that village with machetes and said, if you accepted the Christ of that missionary, stand. And not all stood, but Asatu did. And they said, either renounce the name of that Christ or we will chop your hands off. And then right underneath that was this statement, they put my hands on the ground and cut them off quickly. The left first, I fell to the ground. And, and I remember reading that story and saying to myself, I wonder if I'd be willing to die for Christ. And then immediately the thought came into my mind, you know, really the question, church, today is not are you willing to die for Christ, it's are you willing to live for Christ? Because no one would be willing to die for him that wasn't first living for him. So the question this morning is this, is Jesus Christ your Lord? Is he Lord over your life? Would you be willing and understand that to say that is to say I'm willing to pay a price? Because you can't say Jesus is Lord today and really mean it and be a coward. It takes courage to say that it's not Christ and, and it's not Christ or. It is Christ, only Jesus, only Jesus Only Jesus is worthy of all praise. We sang it a moment ago. Every Sunday when I'm preaching, a song that we sang comes right into the message. It's just how God works and he reminds us from start to finish, it's all about him. It's only Jesus. He is Lord of all. And in these last days, we're going to get into some trouble confessing that. To confess Christ as Lord is is extreme to many. It's crazy. But there's only one way to heaven. 
and his name is Jesus. John chapter 14, verse 6 says that Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. That's radical to this world. Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says there's no salvation, or there is salvation in no one else because there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And I believe the time is coming for you and the time is coming for me to say that Jesus Christ is Lord and it will be dangerous. It was dangerous in the first century. It will be dangerous in the 21st century. And so to make that confession that Jesus Christ is Lord is courageous. But not only is it a courageous confession, confession, could I also say this encouragingly, that it is secondly, not just courageous, but it is comforting. It's a comforting confession. Let's, let's go back to Luke chapter 2 verse 11, but let's back up to verse 10. And I want you to see something. You know, it was comforting this morning to sing joy to the world. <laughs> The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. I mean, we sang that song with enthusiasm. And, and I want you to know that the angel said before he made that great, great Christmas confession, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He said this in verse 10. He said, fear not. Fear not. For unto you, or rather, excuse me, fear not. For behold, I bring to you good news of great joy that will be to all people. Notice the connection there. Fear not, great joy. Fear not, great joy. Fear out, joy in. (laughs) Amen. Fear out, joy in. That is the the great need of this world is a Savior. (laughs) And that's good news. That dispels fear. That casts out fear. And that brings great joy. Because of the great need of this world was information, then God would have sent an educator. And if the great need of this world was money and finances, then God would have sent a financial manager. And if the great need of this world today was pleasure, then God would have sent an entertainer. But if the greatest problem in the world is sin, then God needed to send a Savior, and he did, and his name is Jesus, and he's Christ the Lord. And that is who we come to worship today. And I want to testify to you today as your pastor that I have, I'm a changed life. When Jesus Christ became Lord of my life, he changed me forever. I mean, he's changed me. And he's changing me. And he's making me more like him. It's, a, it's just an amazing journey with Jesus. And I do find him to be sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. And I, I, I find myself falling in love with him over and over and over again. And, and it is so powerful to know that the angel has come to us today and said, listen, in the midst of all of this suffering, in the midst of all of this sorrow, in the midst of all of this that you're going through, fear not. Fear not. I bring you good tidings, the angel says today, of great joy. The message is for us today. My favorite joy passage is John chapter 16. I want to share it with you. I think you'll enjoy it with me. The text here is that Jesus is speaking to his disciples' reaction to his death. They they were sorrowful. They were in deep sorrow. And Jesus was trying to give them a little bit of a picture of of the, the, the world that was going to be gloating with joy over the death of Jesus and He knew they were in deep sorrow over this, but here's what Jesus said in verse number 20. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and and you will lament. And the world 
it will rejoice. You're going to be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. Let me give you an example Jesus said. It's like a woman, and she gives birth. And initially she has sorrow because her hour has come, and and there's travail in that, and there's some pain in that, and there's some sorrow in that. But when she's delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. I can relate to that. So also, to have sorrow now, but, 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 but wait a minute, I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask you, receive, that your joy may be full. That's why the message of Christmas is not just his first coming, but as we've been told already, it's looking forward to his second coming. When, when and we announce that today, we, we say with great joy, Jesus is coming again. He is our hope, and heaven is our future. And that's good news of great joy. It's comforting, isn't it? Jesus Christ is Lord. A little bit of sorrow right now. It's tough sometimes to hear of people who are suffering in our world today and suffering for Christ and going through tough times. And It breaks my heart. It breaks your heart. But Jesus comes to us and to them and says, you sorrow now, but I'm going to turn that sorrow into joy. Hallelujah. It's a courageous confession. It's a comforting confession. And number three, it's a continual confession. It's not just Christmas that we are to confess that Christ is Lord. Take a look at Luke chapter 2. Let's fast forward about three or four verses down the text to verse 15. Check it out. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem. I love this. I love it. I love it. I love it. See this thing. Let's see this thing. Do you see that in the text? Let's go see this thing that has happened, (laughs) which the Lord hath made known to us. So they went with haste, and they, they found Mary, they found Joseph, they found the baby lying in a manger, just like the angel said. And when they saw it, they 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 saw it, then as a result of that, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And what was it that they were told? What was it that they went abroad sharing with everyone? Luke 2, 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. They went everywhere and they said, Christ is Lord. Someone has said the Bible could be divided into two sections. One section would be come and see. The other section would be go and tell. Come and see, go and tell. When they had saw, then they went and told. Come and see, go and tell. We come every Sunday morning and we see the fellowship of believers, the worship of believers. We see and hear the message that's been preached. We see and hear the worship and we experience sometimes baptisms and new members. And what an hour it is, a power-packed hour where we come and we sit and we soak it in. Sometimes only just... To wait until next Sunday to see it again. But can I tell you, the mission of the church is to come and see and go and tell. 
Go and tell. As soon as you walk out of those doors, you become a missionary. You become someone who can say, I saw the grace of God. I, I saw what God is doing amongst the, 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 in the church. And I want to tell you, it's real. It's real. I know it's real. Christ is Lord. I love that Christmas song, Go Tell It on the Mountain. Go tell it on the mountain. Over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain. What? What, what are we going to tell? That Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. He is Lord. And that's what all of our music this morning, if you, and I know you are, as, as we together paid attention, as we focused, as we realized what we were singing, he reigns above it all. Let all of heaven and earth know this, that he reigns above it all. Let me tell you some things that will happen when you confess his lordship. Four things quickly and I'll close. Number one. If you confess the lordship of Christ in your life, it will show your salvation. It's connected. Look at, uh, listen to Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 in God's word. Paul said this, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. A true confession will show salvation. In fact, it means that self has been removed from the throne, and Jesus Christ has been placed on the throne of your heart. Charles Spurgeon said it like this, and I would say it's, it's a wonderful quote, but it's probably one of the most convicting quotes that I've read from this, who they call affectionately the prince of preachers. And to some, he would be as, he would be somewhat like, uh, you know, more of a modern day apostle Paul. His writings are just into the hundreds and thousands of books and pages. He said, if the convert declares that he knows the Lord's will, but doesn't mean to attend to it, It is your duty to assure him that he isn't saved. Don't imagine that the gospel is magnified or God glorified by going to worldlings and telling them that they may be saved at this moment simply by accepting Christ as their Savior while they are wedded to their idols and their hearts are still in love with sin. If I do so, I tell them a lie. I pervert the gospel. I insult Christ and I turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. In your notes, I have it like this. You cannot have a come-in Savior and a stay-out Lord. Yes, Jesus Christ is the Savior, but he's also Lord. He's King of all. He is the Messiah, but he is the Lord. The great confession of Christmas is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is Lord, and it shows our salvation. When you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, not only will it show salvation, but secondly, it'll subdue Satan. When you confess Christ as Lord, the demons will flee and you'll keep Satan on the run. Hallelujah. Revelation chapter 2 verse 11 says, And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. How do you overcome the devil? By saying it and meaning it, Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord. 
And if you can declare that today, that Jesus Christ is Lord, every time you do that, what you're doing to Satan is you're reminding him of his absolute defeat. He will be defeated. And I've seen lives changed where Jesus Christ has unashamedly been pronounced Lord. You know, I'll never forget the first job I had in the ministry. I graduated from college and I was offered to be a youth pastor at my wife's home church. And so we prayed about it and some other opportunities that we had been offered and we felt like it might be good. We, we, we didn't plan on being there forever. We didn't know how long we'd be there, but we knew we needed to move to Los Angeles, California. It was a larger church of about 1,000, even a larger Christian school of 1,600. I got there on like a Monday, and I went to the pastor and thanked him for giving me the opportunity, and I said, what's, what, what's my first duty? He said, well, Thursday night there's a youth activity. You need to be there. Introduce yourself to the kids. Let them know you're excited. That's your first responsibility. I said, I'll be there. Started at 6 o'clock. My wife and I got there at 5.30. You know, we're fresh, we're new, we're young. We're going to be on time, you know. At five minutes till 6, a young lady walked in by the name of Christine Brandt. B-R-A-N-D-T. We greeted Christine. We met her for the first time. And we said, Christine, my name is Eric Capace. This is my wife, Carol Ann. We're the new youth pastors here at at the church, and we're just glad to be here, and glad you're here, and looking forward to meeting all the kids. And she said, what do you mean, all the kids? I said, well, you know, the, the kids, the kids that are coming to the youth activity. She says, oh, no, I'll be the only one. I said, what do you mean you'll be the only one? This is, there's 1,600 kids in the Christian school. This is a huge church. She said, oh, I've, it's been a long time since anybody's come but me. I said, well, Christine, what's your story? She said, well, I'm I'm a Christian, but uh, it takes a lot of courage to be a Christian in this school. I said, but it's a Christian school. She goes, well, I don't mean they're all Christian. I said, well, let's go eat. So we took Christine out to eat. I went to Miss Yoshida, my mother-in-law, who was one of the principals there at the school. She was involved more with the elementary, didn't know a whole lot about the, 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 the high school. But I asked her, I said, Miss Yoshida, do you know of anybody maybe that I could... Uh, talk to that maybe I could like a guy that I could bring in closer to me that you might know that you know you know maybe a Christian and she goes yeah yeah I think I know a, a guy I think he's pretty seems to be a nice kid his name's Clint Fredericks I said well thanks I'll, I'll find this kid so I go on the playground on Friday and I find Clint Fredericks I asked somebody that's him he had a red bandana wrapped around his head he was a senior in high school and I walked up to Clint. And I said, Clint, my name's Erica Pacey. I said, I'm a new youth pastor here, and I understand that you might be a Christian. He said, who told you that? I said, you're not? He goes, I'm going straight to hell, bro. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I just thought I'd ask. <laughs> I went home and said, honey, what have we got ourselves into? This, this, this is crazy. And she said, well, maybe that's why God's called us here, just to... If I could say it in the context of this message, I'm not saying she said it like this, but something like maybe God's called us here just to, to preach Jesus Christ as Lord. Just make a difference. And so we did. I came this close to leaving, packing my bags and just, this is not what I thought. But I couldn't get away from the fact that 
God brought us that far. And we were there and we, we started just, you know, preaching the gospel, loving the kids. Uh, we had youth activities where we'd have two and three, then five and 10, then 15 and 20, then 30 and 50 and 75 and 100. And our, we had 150 on a Wednesday night one time show up in a year. I mean, I had a mission field in the Christian school. We took 50 to New Orleans. They all went to my dad's house one day. It was amazing. We took a senior trip. All 50 signed up to go with us. And, and God began to work. Young people were getting saved left and right. I could hardly keep up with it. The baptism waters were stirred every single Sunday. It was a revival. But I had such a burden for Clint. Man, I love that kid. And he just, every time throughout the year, people would get saved and they'd say, Clint, you ready, man? You ready? I'm not ready yet. Boy, two weeks later, I'd say, Clint, man, you, you got to be closer. God loves you, man. Clint, look at all your friends are getting saved. I mean, Clint, do you feel any conviction? Not really. Man, me and my girlfriend, you have no clue, man. We, we no, I, I, I love her a whole lot more than I love what you love. He was pretty open. At least the guy was honest, right? Weeks and months and months and months. Finally, I, I thought, well, I'm going to buy him. I know Clint loves the Los Angeles Dodgers, so I bought five tickets to the Los Angeles Dodgers game on a Friday night, and Fernando Valenzuela was pitching. Has anybody ever heard of Fernando Valenzuela? Oh, wow. Okay. Now, you're with me now. So Fernie's pre- pitching. He sure wasn't preaching. But anyway, he was pitching. And, uh, but I was preaching. So we get in a 1988 black Honda Accord. Never forget it. Max, Max was my buddy. Max was dating Christine, the first teenager that was in the, in the, in the, in the group. Max and, I asked Max and Christine to go. I asked my brother Brett to go. Brett was a teacher there, and I invited Clint to go. So we had five of us in the car. So we, we get in the car, and I just thought I'd start off like this. So I just said, hey, everybody. I said, you know, I just thought before we'd leave, go to the game. I said, you know, since I bought the tickets, I think I could, you know, I, I kind of have say as to how we do this. I said, let's just start by sharing our salvation testimony. How about you, Max? Are you a Christian? Max said, oh, yeah, I'm born again. I'm saved. I know Jesus says, and I love him with all my heart. Oh, man, I'll never forget that day. He's changed my life forever. Thanks, Max. That's awesome. What about you, Christina? Oh, preacher, I love the Lord. Man, he's my Savior. He's my Lord. I love him. I know that I'm a Christian. I, 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 he's, he's my all in all. And I said, that's great, Christine. It's obvious that you love the Lord. Man, you've been an inspiration to me this past year. What about you, Brett? My brother, Brett, who's a pastor in Las Vegas now. I said, Brett, what about you? Yes, sir, Eric. I know that I'm a Christian. I've trusted Christ. I've followed him. Uh, I can't think of anything I'd rather do than, than serve the Lord. That's awesome, Brett. Man, that's great. I guess I'm next. I said, yeah, I'm uh, September the 1st, 1978. I'll never forget the day that Jesus Christ became my Lord and Savior, and I have never been the same since. I said, well, uh, Clint, looks like you're next. What about you, buddy? It was silent for about 30 seconds. you got to know Clint. Some of you do know him. You could picture this moment if you know him. He said, let me get this thing straight. Let me get this straight. So if we get a car accident on the way to the game, everybody in the car goes to heaven and I go to hell. I said, well, that's kind of harsh, but it's pretty accurate. Yep, that sounds like it. He said, I want to do something about that right now. My first reaction was, now? <laughs> I mean, here I've been working on him for a year, but I'm like, well, like, you, like, right. Like, before we go to the game? He goes, oh, yeah, I'm ready. I said, so you want to get saved? He goes, I, yes, I want to get saved. You've been working on me for a year. Get me saved, you know. <laughs> we go out behind the, 
1988 uh, Honda Accord, and we get on our knees and on that parking lot right in front of my little condo, Clint cried out to Jesus and trusted him as his Savior. We went to the game that night. <laughs> we had pretty good tickets. Ninth inning, Fernando Valenzuela has struck out 26 batters. He's one batter away from pitching a no-hitter on the same, I mean, two hours after Clint got saved. I mean, and he loves the Dodgers. He is on the top of his seat yelling, Fernie, Fernie. He throws that last pitch, shortstop catches it, throws the guy out. We watched a no, if you've never been to a no-hitter, I'm telling you, it's one of the most exciting sporting events you'll ever be to. Fernando Valenzuela threw his one and only career no-hitter, and I was there. Clint is on his seat, said, Fernie, I know it feels good to throw a no-hitter, but it feels better to get saved. I'll never forget it. Every single year, Clint texts me, this is the day. This is the day I knelt behind the black Honda and proclaimed Jesus Christ as Lord. I'm going to tell you, that boy had more demons and he had more of the devil in him than I've ever seen anybody have that I've ever led to Christ. But I can tell you this, when he proclaimed Jesus Christ as Lord, it subdued Satan and he's been chasing after Jesus ever since. I'm saying somebody here in this building needs to understand the gospel in a way that you would accept it, receive it, and say, Christ is Lord, and I want to receive him and make him Lord of my life. I want him to change my life, and he will change your life. That's just how he is. When you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, it not only subdues Satan and shows salvation, but thirdly, it strengthens the saints. If you want your own personal faith to grow then start proclaiming courageously in your life, often Jesus Christ is Lord. It's some, there's something about saying something often that helps us to believe it more. That's why we sing songs oftentimes over and over again. It's not because we, you know, just because we like them, it's because we know we need to hear it again. It's why we quote Scripture, memorize Scripture. That's why sometimes when someone in church says, man, I've already heard a sermon on that. Well, you need to hear it again. We need to proclaim it. We need to teach it and preach it that Jesus Christ is Lord. Confession of faith is linked to possession of faith. Scripture says in the passage we've been memorizing, Psalm chapter 34 and verse 2, my soul makes his boast in the Lord. Brag on Jesus. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. And when the humble hear it, they'll be glad. You see, we need to learn that there is something about constantly bragging about how good God is. My soul makes its boast. God is good. God is awesome. God is working. God is real. God is phenomenal. Just constantly praising the name of Jesus. I think we bought into this thing that, well, I don't want to be... A fanatic. Look, if you've never been called a fool or a fanatic, I wonder if you're really following Christ. Because I'm going to tell you, it's hard not to be a fool sometimes for Jesus. I know we've cleaned it all up and we want everything to be, you know, we don't want anybody to notice that we're a Christian. And this idea that, you know, well, I don't have to say a thing. They'll know that I'm a Christian just by me, you know. Okay, I I get it. I'm okay with that. And that may be true. But I'm going to tell you, there's nothing that takes the place of sharing with your mouth and confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
We need to sing it and tell it wherever we go. We need all to hear it and all to know the joy of salvation that's made our hearts glow because we are born again. It'll help your love to grow. The things we talk about are the things that we love and the things that we sacrifice for. My wife and I talk about our kids all the time because we love them and we do anything for them. And we need to talk about Jesus as much as we talk about our kids because we love him more and we do anything for him. What's interesting is the more you talk about Jesus, the more that you, you just want to have nothing to do with this world. It's amazing to me, but when you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, the world begins to lose its attraction. The things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his wonderful grace. And then nine, number four, and I'm done. It shows salvation. It subdues Satan. It'll strengthen the saints. And finally, it, hallelujah, it saves sinners. It's the message we preach. Jesus Christ is Lord. That is the salvation message. That for unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And maybe we can't all be preachers, but we can all be reachers. Amen? We can all. Do you have a plan to reach somebody for Jesus? Is it on your schedule? Is it on your menu? Is it on anywhere in your you know, those witnessing bags have been so fun. I just, by the way, I have an address of, uh, I just, somebody texted me and said, I, I don't have an address to anybody in the military. I got one. I, 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 I talked to somebody. I got it. I'm, I'm writing him this week, so you can write him too. If you need it, I'll, I'll text it to you. But I've been going through those things and doing them. And my wife uh, and Glory Ann, now where they have their witness is Sam's. That's their little, and Kroger, Sam's and Kroger. So it's amazing. When I go to Sam's, nobody talks to me. If I'm with Glorianne and Caroline, it's like, I'm a stranger. It's kind of sad, really, you know. They just talk to Caroline and Glow. As soon as they walk in, it's hilarious. Everybody knows them, like in the whole store. It's like they walk in the building, and, and it's like everything changes. The lights go, seem to go brighter, and... Not dimmer, but brighter. And that's okay. And, uh, and they all say, glory in, glory in. So my wife said, honey, I need more than five of these tracks to do the witnessing thing. And so I brought home four more bags for her to have more like 20 or 25 tracks. I don't know if she could get them off the track rack, but it's, it's been fun. And we've got some baked goods we, we, we're going to give to our neighbors in the next couple of days. Chloe bakes some stuff. And I know, Caroline, you and your small group today went up to the rehab and visited somebody. It's awesome. Thank you, ladies, for that. This is what Christmas is all about, sharing the love of Jesus. That's what it is. And what we need to do is this morning... We need to ask ourselves, is Jesus Lord today? Is he on the throne of my life? And if he's not, let's, let's put him there. And let's become a reacher for Jesus. Let's, let's share the gospel more often. Let's pass out those little gospel tracts. You say it's old school. Well, it's, it still works. The Gideon Bible still works. The International Mission Board's old school. It still works. The idea is not that we have to create something new. It's that we have to be fresh in how we do it. The story is old. 
Maybe some of the methods are new. And so I'm, I'm asking you, would you enter into this Christmas season with a new confession? Let's keep saying Merry Christmas and God bless you, but let's add to it a third one. Jesus is Lord. I tried it on the way out. It felt pretty good. It was fun. People walking out the church today, I just said, Jesus is Lord. And they said it back to me. It didn't even feel awkward. I just need to take that from the church front steps out to the city streets. Jesus Christ is Lord. It'll take a little courage. And not everybody's going to say, thank you. That was so kind. Some people are going to probably say other choice words that I can't say in church. And all I need to do is just pray for him and and just know that there's another Clint Fredericks out there that it may take a year to get saved. But if I'll just keep preaching and keep loving and be consistent, eventually. You still believe in Jesus, Eric? I'm ready now. If you're still preaching, I'm ready. I believe that's going to happen more than you think as we get more aggressive with the gospel. A lot of people in this city that profess but don't possess. A lot of people go to church, maybe some here, and we have our salvation in our church attendance or in our baptism or are in our good deeds, but there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It is by the grace of God through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. This morning, it's only Jesus, only Jesus. If you've never been saved, I trust today that you have heard the gospel and that this morning you would be open to receiving him. And we'll have elders up front if you're ready to talk or maybe after the service or whatever you're comfortable with, we're ready to talk with you about that. And maybe there's someone here that just would say, I need to just respond in another way, in praise and prayer. However the Lord leads you to respond, would you follow him this morning? Shall we pray? Father, I love you and thank you for today. What a joy it is to be at church. I love our church. I love our people. And God, I'm grateful today to celebrate the wonder of Christmas which is Christ is Lord. There is no other name. And God, as we sing of that holy night, and as, the, as we join the angels in that great chorus, Christ is the Lord, oh, praise his name forever. May we sing it like we've never sung it before. May we lift our voices and our hearts in praise and commitment to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we stand?